Hey, y'all, welcome to the Marty Smith's America podcast. It's volume 100 something. And it's an amazing show today uh, with a friend of mine, uh, someone that I admire greatly. Uh, someone who's really inspired me and on a lot of levels, uh, someone I've spent some time with in the past, back when Marty Smith's America was a television program. I did a lengthy feature on this person uh, and and her influence on the world and on the influences upon her that kind of made her the person that she is. That's Elena Deladon. She's one of the best basketball players on the planet. She is a former MVP of the WNBA. She's a gold medalist in the Olympics. And she joined me on behalf of Procter & Gamble. And a film that they launched last week called Your Goodness is Your Greatness. The film features Olympic and Paralympic athletes who are leading with love and showing the world that the true measures of greatness is goodness. And boy, does Elena fit that description perfectly. And I say that to her when we start chatting here, as you'll hear in just a moment. When I kind of found out her story, which just to give you guys kind of a synopsis, Elena grew up in Delaware. And her sister Lizzie, her older sister Lizzie, has myriad obstacles uh, that she faces every day. She is, she has autism, she has cerebral palsy, she cannot see and she cannot hear. And they communicate really via touch and smell. And I remember when I was chatting with Elena for the television program. And all this is actually in my book too, Never Settle. I was so moved by their story that I included it in my book. So Lizzie can kind of tell who Elena is through the smell of her shampoo. And there was a time when Elena started to put some different stuff in her hair and it threw some things off from with her communication with Lizzie. So that went away. But to watch them together is a fascinating thing. And Elena was her senior year of high school, the premier ladies basketball player in the country and could go anywhere. And and as is the case for a lot of young ladies in that position that are elite high school basketball players or elite prep players, they choose the University of Connecticut go play for Gino Ariema, which is what Elena did. And she did not stay there very long. And I can't wait for you guys to hear what led her home and why it was important for her to be home and the emotions that were involved in why she had to leave Connecticut. And I remember when I was chatting with her for television, she broke down crying. Uh, She was very, very emotional as we discussed that time in her life and that decision in her life. And this is someone, as I said a moment ago, that I greatly admire, and I'm really grateful for her example because she's one of those people who just with her spirit and the platform that she has in the WNBA and as a a very forward-facing Nike athlete, she has a platform to make a difference, and she does that every day. Before we get to Elena, let's pay some bills. 
And if you guys are fans of Marty Smith's America, you'll love the SV pod. Make sure to go check out our boy Scott Van Pelt's podcast, the SV pod. He always has great guests on. If his producer was even halfway worth a damn, the podcast would probably be better. That's the biggest obstacle that Scotty faces. We all know his about his talent. If the production was better, then it might do something in life. We'll have a talk with him and see if we can get things figured out and get things I mean, moving in the right track. I just keep t- I try to tell him, like, look, dude, if you want to go to another level, you got to get people around you. You can't do it all by yourself. So it's a great pleasure for me to get to spend some time with someone I've gotten to spend a lot of time with in the past, someone that I admire so much, and uh, there's no question that this person's goodness is her greatness, and that is Elena Deladon. No hyphen. We're not doing hyphens, <laughs> Elena, all right? Uh, I appreciate that one, Marty. <laughs> you're uh, – you know, your, your life and career are amazing. Your perspective on life is amazing. And one thing that I, I kind of want to get into is you've won world championships. You've won gold medals. You're in the 50-40-90 club. And for those of you who don't know what that means, it's ridiculous. 50% from the field, 40% from three, 90% from the, from the free throw line. And just a tremendous player one of the greatest ever in your field. So which of those accomplishments on the court is the most meaningful to you? Definitely winning a WNBA championship is something I put, you know, top um, along with winning a gold medal. So I just remember when I was younger and I first started falling in love with the game, like it was Olympics and going for gold. Like that was something that was such a cool idea that I wanted to do. And then also I wanted to play in the WNBA. Um, Luckily I was growing up in a time where I was able to have a league to look to and people like Cheryl swoops to look up to. And I just, I just knew I wanted to be a part of that. So I'm so grateful that I've been able to accomplish those things. And um, it's, it's been such a fun journey. It's so fitting to me that you're a part of this initiative with PNG because you've always been an athlete who uses her platform on the floor to do good away from the game. What are you proudest of? I mean, I'm proudest to be Lizzie's sister. I think you've been able to spend time with me around Lizzie and there's just, there's no one like her in this world. And Uh, the moment I knew that basketball could kind of take me somewhere and maybe give me a platform, I was hoping that I could finally be her voice because I know what she's brought to me in my life and the perspective that I've gotten by watching her persevere and watching her love others and watching just what inclusion can do for our world (laughs) has been so big for me. So, um, just to be able to put a ball in a hoop and some reason people want to listen to what I have to say. Uh, I, I try to do the most with that platform and try to just share kindness and equality and inclusion. Um, and that's why I'm so grateful to be working with PNG on this idea of just being good, being kind and just small acts of kindness. Like it's not, you don't have to impact a million people. Like that's really hard and it just seems too big, <laughs> Um, but if you can just be kind to one person in a day or do something good for somebody else and do that daily, and if everybody did that, 
we'd be living in a really good place. So I, I love the concept of this campaign. I say it all the time, Elena. I say it all to wrote it in my book. I wrote about you and Lizzie in my book. And even somebody like the barista at Starbucks, for example, right? If you smile at that person and you ask about their day, you might completely rewrite their day. And then yep. they thereby might rewrite somebody else's day or let somebody into traffic. It's things that simple. Those tiny acts of kindness can have such a dramatic impact, much less something like what you guys are doing. Exactly. Yeah, it's just, yeah, making somebody smile in their day where maybe they're inside their head about something. And just by having that like kind interaction where you make them feel good and they make you feel good, like it could completely change the way their day's going or their life is going. And it's so important to care for one another and to empathize and to stop judging one another and be there. Like, I think we, we lose that sometimes, especially in this world where things are just moving so fast and we, we have so much information right in our hands with our devices. So uh, just to kind of take that moment out to pause and to reflect and to think about others. So you touched on Lizzie there. And again, you and I've spent a lot of time uh, kind of going through her story and detailing her story, but some people listening may not know yeah. what you, what, you know, what you grew up with and what she manages and what your parents manages and manage, manage and what your brother manages, all of that. How, how has her condition or conditions impacted your entire family? What does she manage? Yeah. So Lizzie was born uh, with many disabilities, um, blind, deaf, cerebral palsy, autism. She probably functions at the level of like, I mean, maybe a two or three-year-old. Um, her, her mobility isn't great. So there's just so many things that have been thrown her way that just for her to get up in the morning and to walk to a chair and sit down and have breakfast. Um, and then to share her big smile and her, her belly chuckles. Like if she can be grateful for the life that she is living, which seems so, so unfair at times, um, then, you know, we all have so much to be grateful for. And just growing up with Lizzie has taught me about being on a team. Like, my whole life, I can just remember like trying to find ways to support her and to help her grow and to make her life as seamless as we can um, and just to support her. So it's been really cool that my family is like the first team I was a part of. And <laughs> I've, I've learned so much by playing a role on that team. One of the most amazing things about your story to me was I remember you telling me why you left UConn after just a couple of weeks. And, yeah. and for those of you guys listening who don't know this story, this to me is the most dynamic example of Elena's love for Lizzie and their, their impenetrable bond. You can go play for what is largely considered the best program in the country with one mm -hmm. of the greatest coaches of all time. But that draw back home was so strong. Mm -hmm. what, yes. what, what was that draw? Yeah, the draw was – it's Lizzie and it's the family that I'm a part of because of her and the closeness that we have to one another because of our need to support her and be around her. And, you know, I, throughout my career, especially when I was younger, it was always kind of like, well, if you're the best player in the country, you do this, you take this step, you go to Connecticut or 
at that time, Tennessee, like I just was headed on a path where I felt like in no way did I have a say in that path. And the moment it truly hit me was when I had to say goodbye to Lizzie and I was headed off to Connecticut. And in that moment, I just remember just falling in her lap and just like shaking and she's kind of got her hands on me and she doesn't know what's going on exactly in that moment, but she was, she was there. And in that moment, I was thinking to myself, like, I can't do this. Like, I, I can't just pick up a phone and call her. I can't FaceTime her. I can't write her a letter. Like I can't communicate with her unless I am physically with her. So, um, I mean, that was when the moment it was made up. Um, my mind was made up and I knew going to Connecticut wasn't going to work. Um, so I came home. I went to the University of Delaware. I was able to grow as an adult, <laughs> um, but still be very close to home and be able to see Lizzie often. And then I was able to kind of just keep on going with my career. And I even went away to Chicago for a little bit uh, as a pro, but I think just being able to go through college and learn um, a lot about myself and about Lizzie being okay without me for a little bit. <laughs> um, and my family was going to be able to take care of her. I knew I could spread my wings and go still try to achieve like one of my biggest goals, which was being in the WNBA. You were mentioning inclusion earlier, and that's another beautiful thing that you do in your life as a, as an ambassador for the special Olympics, having covered World Games multiple times, I, I'm so moved by watching those athletes achieve when they've been told their whole lives, you'll never, you can't, you're not good enough, don't try. And then watching them do it is the most dynamic emotion. Why is that important to you to champion them? Yeah, I mean, to, to watch them achieve something and to see their joy and excitement and not only that, but like, even if they don't win their joy for one another and like their excitement that somebody else is succeeding, like we can just take away so much from the special Olympics and from people with special needs. And like, there's, there's so many disabilities that they have to get through, but I don't think I've ever seen any other people with such a love of a game or such a love for competing or such a love for their teammates. Like there's so much we learn from being around these Olympians. And um, as much as like, I love being a part of it because I hope that in some way I can make their experience better. I know I'm getting so much more out of just being around them and watching them compete and enjoy so much and just being present in the moment. That's exactly how I feel. It's so it's just an amazing experience to watch them achieve that way. Travis and I just got back from the blessing that is covering the Masters golf tournament. I saw you received a gift, a gift from the Augusta National Women's Amateur. What's the story behind that? <laughs> I I got a uh, a little tree that I'm growing. <laughs> um, what, I, I wh love why? I, I don't. I guess they're sending it to certain people to get people excited about. Uh, the tournament. So I was grateful that I, I don't have a green thumb, so I'm a little nervous about my plant and how well it's going to do, but uh, yeah, I. <laughs> Can Amanda my, grow? Is she good at this? She, she's not great either. So um, <laughs> yeah, this is, this is not good. I'll have to document how, how well my plant does. <laughs> you may not have a green thumb, but you are an awesome artist. I was Thank looking you. at the website 
So what it's Deldon designs. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Okay. What inspired you to design these pieces? Y'all we're talking like elaborate basketball hoop pieces of art. Did you make a skateboard? Yeah. Yep. Actually. Yeah. I've got the skateboard somewhere around here. I'm in the shop now, but, um, how did did that passion unfold? My wife and I have always been like very into DIY and creating things in our house. And, uh, we one time we made a table and put it on social media and people loved it. And it was like, hmm, maybe we can make a business out of this. But basketball was going on. Things were crazy. Um, and then this summer when I decided I wasn't going to play uh, because of COVID and whatnot, um, we decided like, let's dive into this business. And I didn't have basketball to like take my mind off of things. <laughs> Um, so I went right to the wood shop and like, that's where I was able to allow my artistic qualities to come out and just to like, so be in the moment of a project and creating things. And I couldn't connect with my fans by like winning basketball games and like bringing joy to the city in that way. So I was like, all right, I'm going to build these pieces that people can have in their homes and bring them some joy in that way. So how long do they take? I mean, they're elaborate. We, on our orders, we'll say about two weeks, we'll give that time. Um, So if you order something, it'll generally take two weeks, but we try to be a little quicker than that. It's just the two of us working, Um, but we've, we've got it down to a pretty good process. I'm the one who does most of like the wall art and the hoops. Uh, Amanda's the one who does like the work of like the charcuterie boards, the cutting boards, which uh, can get a bit monotonous and tough at times where I get to be like more of the artist and <laughs> dream of things and all that. <laughs> What's your best piece? Like what piece are you proudest of? What is it? I would say my hoops are what I'm most proud of. Um, I've taken my love of basketball and spun it with my love of woodworking and art. And I'm actually in the process right now of creating my own gallery of different hoops. Sweet. So yeah, you're going to have to check back in because we're, we're coming up with some really interesting, uh, different abstract hoops. So you mentioned a minute ago, opting out of the 2020 season. I thought that was super brave myself, but you took a lot of crap for it. Yeah. Like just completely undo, but I want to, first of all, explain why you made the decision to opt out. Yep. I have been battling chronic Lyme disease and other tick-borne illnesses for over 10 years now. Um, so I know what it is like to be immune compromised and, uh, with not knowing much about COVID at the time, I just did not feel confident, um, in going and playing basketball, um, and possibly contracting COVID with what I'm already dealing with. And in the world of, uh, health for some reason, the Lyme disease uh, community is not often acknowledged. There's not nearly enough research, um, not quality testing out there. So I, I did have a feeling when I, when I came out and said, I won't be playing that there would be some backlash, but my goodness, where there's so many people that reached me and told me that they'd been going through things with Lyme disease or another tick-borne illness. And, um, it gave them hope to continue to push forward. So as, as much as being vulnerable and honest in times can be tough because people can come at you and knock you down. I felt like I had really done something great where I could hopefully motivate people. And 
teach people about this awful disease that there's just not enough information about. Vulnerability is strength, period. Yes. If you're if in out and out, it's it's difficult strength because if you're willing to put that energy out into the world, you gotta be okay with whatever energy comes back. And that is scary, man. It is. It is. Uh I saw this photo in Players Tribune of you holding all the pills you got to take. It was a striking photograph. Describe what you must go through to manage Lyme disease. Yeah, there's, um, I have to take many, many supplements just to try to get to feeling normal in a day. Um, I'm used to waking up feeling tired, um, feeling like I'm not well rested or feeling like my muscles just ache. So, um, yeah, there's a lot I have to do in a day to just try to get to as much of normal as possible. And then to be a pro athlete where you're kind of crushing your body at times too, through training, I've, I've just had to kind of figure out a way to do it. And, um, luckily I've got phenomenal doctors and people who help support me. Um, but yeah, there's times where it can just be super difficult and to have a disease that so many like, (laughs) For some reason, like, I don't know, they don't want to believe that it can be chronic or whatnot. I don't understand why there's so much backlash about it, but there are so many sick people out there. And if we continue to ignore it, like that's, it's not good. There's too many people that need help. When did you contract it? Do you know? Yeah, I don't know exactly because I didn't get the bullseye rash, which most people don't. Um, So I believe I first got it in 2008 and I have been relapsing and dealing with things ever since. That's awful. Yeah. It's no fun. (laughs) I'm sorry that you have to manage it. It's just, that's all right. We all have our things, right? (laughs) One of your other things is another back surgery. How is that (laughs) progressing and how, how soon do you hope to return to the floor? What's that plan? I'm doing really well. I am so grateful for our training staff. Like I have been working with the best people that are helping me to just clean up all my patterns of movement, um, that have been wrong for many years now before surgery. (laughs) Um, so I feel like I've never had so much awareness of my body, which is really exciting for me. I'm enjoying the process of learning and getting stronger and taking small steps at a time, but getting to where I need to be. So I'm super confident and excited about what the future holds. What patterns of movement? Well, uh, explain that. Oh yeah. I've been walking so incorrect (laughs) for many years now where I'm a, I'm a heel striker where I get my heel too far out in front of me. And then I'm pulling instead of being a toe pusher where you're just pushing with your toes and getting yourself to go forward and making that contact with the ground. It's so much better on your back. So every time I was striking with the heel, I'm jarring my back. And it's like, how am I to ever feel good <laughs> when I'm walking incorrectly? Or wow. So do you run, not. do you run incorrectly too? Oh yeah. So we've been correcting all of that. I, I have been going to the gym. I do like two a days now where some sessions are just, you know, walking, skipping, running. Um, other sessions are just like feeling my feet and my connection to the ground and being able to push properly. So it's been a really fun process for me to just like start figuring things out and being able to correct it on my own. Cause you know, you can't just 
feel good for those two hours of therapy where someone's working on you. Like you've got to learn how to make your body work properly. And I'm doing that. What's the challenge as a pro athlete? Like your body's your business. Yeah. What's that challenge? Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah. If anybody knows it's you, what, what's that challenge? Uh, and, and what, what, uh, commitment does that take to make sure that you're in the best position? Yeah, it takes a daily pursuit of just making sure your body is feeling right. Um, and you're putting into it and taking care of it. Um, as much as you're like breaking it down and working out and trying to improve. So for me, it's been like a mind, body, and soul experience of like trying to figure out how hard I can push to try to make steps and continue to be a better and better player, but also realizing when it's time I need to pump the brakes a little bit and pour into my body and maybe I need more soft tissue work, or maybe I need to meditate a little longer today because I'm feeling super anxious and I need to be able to kind of evaluate where my thoughts are, where my mind's going. So each day it's, it's, it's ongoing. It's not just the hours in the gym. It's all those hours that you're not in the gym and you're, you still just have to find ways to take care of the body. How'd you incorporate meditation into your routine? That's interesting. Yeah, we have a phenomenal sports psychologist uh, with the mystics who um, has helped me so much by teaching me meditation. And I go through a 10 minute guided meditation daily. Um, I, I love taking that time out of the day just to be present with myself, um, and focus on something as simple as breathing. Like it's, it sounds very simple, but it's like, <laughs> you need that time to like, kind of recalibrate the mind and be able to just lock into those 10 minutes. So I make sure to do that off daily. I need that. I need, I need an anxiety <laughs> reducer. There what you did go. you learn? What did you learn about your love of the game by being away from the game? I think, I mean, you just, you just miss not just the moments on the court of like competing um, against others, but it's like, the moments in the locker room, like just spending time with your teammates and like you just uplift one another. And this past week, everybody's been like getting back into the swing of things um, once they pass their amount of COVID tests and like just to be together again. It's like, my goodness, I've so missed this interaction and this camaraderie. Like I love the game of basketball, but I love being a part of a team and sharing in those moments together and uplifting one another. So it's just been like, it's brought on a whole new energy being around everybody again. I won't keep you much longer, but I mean, what's your perspective on where the women's game is right now? I think the women's game is in such a great place. That's um, great. Better, better than it's ever been because of the world of social media. And these young ones coming up are, just like marketing themselves and are so popular. You saw it through March Madness, how mm -hmm. these young women are taking the world by storm. So we're in a great place. The W is in a really good place um, where we're, we're getting more and more companies to jump on board and to pour into our league. So I think it's, it's only up from here and the visibility just needs to continue to grow. And I think it will. I did a story a couple of years ago with Kevin Durant and Brianna Stewart together they're close and Kevin was so outspoken about 
the the discrepancy between compensation and amenities and all those things between the NBA and the WNBA. And I found that to be so cool. And it was fun to watch Brianna kind of look at him while he was saying this, because obviously he has a very loud voice. What's your perspective about, about that? How well you compensated you guys are versus what you deliver that type of thing. Yeah. I mean, we are certainly not compensated in the way that I feel we deserve. Um, I do know our league is far younger than the NBA. So at times when you want to compare them side by side, it's like, okay, we have come a really long way. No doubt there's way more we need to do and we have to go so much further. But I think the buy-in is finally there from the large corporations. And that's huge. That's how you're able to, you know, get the amenities and be treated properly because you need those dollars. So I think all of that is coming. We have the support of our brothers in the NBA. So I think things are going to change even more in the next five years. I love it. And, and to your point about the, the discrepancy, the difference between the women's NCAA tournament and the men's NCAA tournament. I mean, I just, you just shake your head. Like, really? Yeah. It's like, how did you, you how did you ladies react? We were just like, you gotta be kidding me, but it's also, we've lived it. Like it's not, is shocking to us because we've been through it where it's just like, my goodness, can we please get some respect? <laughs> um, but that's why I think we're in a different world now where companies and people will be called out. <laughs> we all have a voice now with social media. And I think um, for those girls to stand up and say like, this is our weight room, like look how it changed. Uh, it's frustrating that they had to do that to get proper amenities, but Hey, People have got to be called out. Well, I, I thought that it was I thought that it was the most ridiculous thing I'd ever seen. Uh, and I thought it was very, very courageous and powerful for them to expose it. Definitely. Um, I agree. Well, yeah. I, I'm so grateful for your time. I'm grateful for your spirit and your example. And uh, thank you so much for, for your time and, and, to, and to P&G for, for offering us your time. Really appreciate you guys. Always great connecting with you. I say all the time, Travis, that ESPN's not my purpose, it's my platform. And I'm so grateful for this job. I'm so grateful for the experiences that it affords me, the relationships that it affords me, the opportunities that it affords me. And I'm so appreciative that so many people in the company believe in me. All that really matters deeply to me. And I feel the same kind of way after I talk to Elena. Basketball is, she is so gifted in the game. And she knows that and she hones that skill and practices and works on that skill. But it's, it's a platform for such a bigger message for her that we need to be kind to one another and we need to use our gifts to, to build up and champion other people and fill them with joy. And she does that so well. And when I met her in person in Delaware, I went out to the, the home she grew up in, her parents' place out in Delaware. I was just like so taken aback when I got to be in the, in the room and in the moment watching how she works and and loves and negotiates what it's like to be Lizzie's sister and best friend and all that comes with that and 
and and and I, you know, hearing her tell me at that time that there were a lot of times when, like, it was a team. Like her first team was Team Lizzie, and that's her. That's her parents. That's her brother. That's everybody. There were a lot of times when you know, mom's got dinner in the oven or dad's got steaks on the grill or, or whatever. And they got to go to the hospital. Mom and dad are gone. And so Jean, that's her brother. That's uh, Elena's brother. So Jean and Elena are there like, okay, we're 11 to nine or whatever the ages are. Figure it out. I mean, PNG couldn't have picked a better athlete to lead this campaign. Just Elena at 18 could have taken off and, you know, said, I got to live my life and, but to do the things that she's doing and then all the other added things that she's got going on with her life. It's just, she's really an amazing person. She's not great. She's a great basketball player, but she's an amazing person. And, and and you're right. Like she did. She, she, she said, okay, I'm going to go play for the premier women's basketball program in the country at the time certainly still one of the premier women's basketball programs in the country at the University of Connecticut and Gino R.E.M. are the head coach. But that shows you the authenticity in it that, yes, I'm, I can go there and I can be a superstar and I can be, uh, you know, experience national championships and, and all those things. But the desire to be around your sister and feel that love and make sure that she feels it was so far greater than anything that basketball could offer. And that just drives home the authenticity and, and how genuine that relationship is. And I was just floored when I saw it for myself. And and I'm really grateful for Gene. Just so you know, Travis, he has sent me several notes over the years of how much he appreciates this podcast and how it impacts him and, and hearing people share their paths and their stories and it ain't all roses for, for everybody. Thank you to P and G for, for offer. They called Travis and said, we'd love to have Elena on. And, and you guys heard her say it. We had a pre, we have a pre-existing relationship before this conversation. And, and it's one that I hope goes on for the rest of my time because she's just a light in the world, man. There's just no other way to say it. I'm excited to see what she can do when she gets back out there talking about how she was running incorrectly. Like I would have never like guessed you know, like those things that you just don't, you like, you just assume are correct. Like if she can get, you know, healthy and get back out there, they'll be exciting to see what she can do. And athletes like her who, you know, the, over time, those little tiny nuances, they add up to being really big variables and obstacles. And that's what's going on for her right now. And, Having to learn how to run again, that's crazy. I mean, that's not something that's easy at, at any age because it's a, it goes against your natural inclination of how your body wants to operate. And when you're an elite athlete and that's all you've known, it's really hard emotionally and mentally and psychologically to go change it. So that's something that she's managing right now. And, and you're right, Travis. We wish her the best in all that comes with relearning that way. And, uh, and, and I just can't wait to see her back out on the floor again. It's been a long time for her, uh, as we stated there. She took an entire season off for, because of COVID and, uh, and underlying physical conditions that she has and the Lyme's disease. Look, don't, that is something that's very important. 
That is something that is so important. And, man, we are so quick to judge as a society. If we can't see it, it's like, oh, hell, it's that. that's not something that should be keeping you out. You don't, what, do you, what do you mean? Lyme's disease. Well, yeah. It's a, it's when we don't know it or you can't see it, right? Like if she, if she had a broken wrist, then people are like, oh, okay. But like that broken wrist, you can fix easily. Lyme's disease isn't something you just put a cast on. Well, when you're taking dozens of pills every single day, supplements and, and medicines in order to just be something that resembles right. Uh, my gosh, what a commitment and what a challenge. Uh, so She's in our thoughts, and, and again, I'm grateful for her, um, thankful for her example, because being around people like that remind me of the responsibility that, that I have and people that are, are, are blessed have to make a difference. I can't wait to get back out on the road in football, Travis, because now that's not to say I'm not looking forward to summer and a couple months off, because I am. Uh, I have the... Preakness Stakes this weekend, which has added intrigue now with what we've learned about Medina Spirit and Bob Baffert. And I'm not going to make any determinations at this point or jump to any conclusions. I'm waiting on that B sample. We're, we're also, we're not horse insiders. No, no, so no we're not going to sit here and say, oh, he, this supplement was found and it, this is that. Like, you go in there and helicopter in and cover the event and the people and the horses and I, you know, the podcast, we don't know the insides and outs. So for us to sit here and make statements on Medina spirit would just be inaccurate. Well, it would be unfair is what it would yeah. be. And we're not unfair. So, uh, but there's definitely added intrigue now uh, heading into the Preakness stakes. I will get there to Baltimore Wednesday evening. I'll be at the racetrack all day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And we'll see how all this unfolds. There's no way to know at this point. It is currently a Monday morning at 8.55 Eastern time. And so by the time you guys listen to this, there may be a determination. I don't know that timeline or what that looks like, but just to give you guys an idea of what time Travis and I are talking in case this is, it does end up being dated. Um, and from there, from the Preakness Stakes, I will come home for a day. I will then turn around. I will go to the PGA Championship at Kiowa, South Carolina, Kiowa Island, South Carolina. And uh, that's going to be an absolute blast. How wonderful for the game of golf that Rory McIlroy won at Quail Hollow. He wins the Wells Fargo Championship. It was like nice guy weekend. Martin Truex wins the NASCAR race. Uh, and, and Rory McIlroy wins at Quail. And that is huge for the game of golf, in my opinion, Travis. I think that when I said this to my bosses, we are – I am actively chasing Rory uh, and have been since before the Masters to try to get some time with him and, and do, a, do an interview for television and, and dive into where his game has been and what it's been like for him since he became a dad and all those things. Now, what I would love to do is go to Ireland to his dad's bar – sit there and toss back a few cold ones and talk about life and love and, 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 and his passion for the game. Because if you talk to people who know golf, like, like live the game, everybody, this is kind of the way everybody says it every time. If all else is equal and everybody's on their absolute A game, Rory has the most talent. They always That's pick what, him. 
That's yeah. what they will tell you. That's what people who, who know golf say. Well, I know this as a, an avid sports fan and someone who has fallen in love with the game of golf. And over the last few years, I have a new perspective on a broader sports plane because I have the blessing of covering all this stuff. I see the world of sports differently in a more global 30,000 foot kind of way. And I feel like when Rory McIlroy is good, is playing well and winning, it's like Notre Dame or Texas or one of these major league college football programs that sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not. And when they're really good, it's good for the sport. US, did you say USC? Yeah, USC is one of those brands that. Exactly, exactly. Southern Cal is absolutely one of those brands. And so. I see it kind of that way, and and I'm so, I think it's awesome. It adds such an awesome layer to the PGA Championship that he is playing at that level, a winning level, entering the tournament. And not only that, he was he's the defending winner at Kiowa. You know what it reminds me of is Jordan Spieth, and in his drought right before the Masters, it just kind of gives a little jolt of energy and one of those big names that you can now you know look at. It's just good for the game, man. When those big-time superstars, like to your point, like when when Jordan is playing really well, when Rory's playing really well, when DJ's playing really well, those guys, man, they are the guy – JT, they're the guys that are, are carrying the sport now in the post-Tiger Woods era. And, and so it's just awesome. It's awesome that he's playing this well. Uh and I can't wait to get down there to Kiowa and see. I've never been there. I can't wait to see what it's all about and join our brothers and sisters at ESPN in covering an event that's very, very important to our company and, and, and for which we're so thankful to get to do it. It's, uh, it's, it's just a fun time. Yeah, so, I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure on the details, people, but I'm guessing ESPN Plus will have a ton of live coverage, so check that out. Absolutely will. Uh, we're going to be on, we're going to be on TV a lot, and and interviewing golfers and spending time and and just diving into all the different storylines in the sport. And uh, you know, I, I there are so many unique storylines. Like, where is DJ's game? Where is Brooks Kepka's game? Where you know, Rory winning? Yeah, I mean, uh, the last time we saw Brooks walking was a struggle. Yeah, it's going to be a, a fascinating time to to get down there for the second major of the season, and uh, and 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 immerse ourselves in it. So, looking forward to it, man. Really looking forward to it. All right. So this weekend, I know you were busy with some birthday parties. You also had Mother's Day. So, what was uh, the past few days like at the uh, Smith household? Chaos. Um, so we had – so Lainey is a scheduling czar. Like, she's the one that runs this whole roost, right? I had the derby on Mia's birthday. I will be at the PGA Championship on Vivian's birthday. So I, I don't like missing birthdays. But when you work in professional sports, it's in a lot of cases part of the deal. Holiday, that's one thing that I tell these young people who are very eager to get into the business. Holidays and weekends, 
if you want those, then you probably shouldn't be in this business. And that's just the facts. Because when do people have time to sit and watch sports? Holidays and weekends. And so my kids are just so used to it now. But I love to be present for their parties. I love to be present to celebrate. And so Laney always manages to find a way to find that little niche, that little cranny of time that works. And this weekend was it. So we had Vivian's birthday on Friday afternoon, evening. And it was 20 little nine-year-old girls running around like wild heathens. Holy hell. And we had Mia's birthday the next night with 20 little 12-year-old girls running around like heathens. And we managed it. It was great. Everything went awesome. We ate pizza. We had cupcakes. We played putt-putt golf. We did our thing. And it was a blast. And my daughters were full of joy. And they got to spend time with their friends. And I love to see that. But I will tell you, man, uh, it's like herding cats. Like the, it, when, when, uh, when that many little, little girls get together – it's an energy that's hard to describe. It is chaos. And we managed it. It's a two, at least a two-person job. And mama and I high-fived one another at the end of both parties. We got them in. We got them out. We got no, we had no injuries. That's People the key. Climbing. No injuries. And every the, the, the number of kids that started the day come back, that's a win. That's, that's everything. That's the whole equation, man. Is your child happy, number one? Are they having fun? Are they full of joy and spiritually uplifted because they got to spend that energy with their friend group? Yes. Everybody made it back into the hands of their parents. Yes. Winning. That's it. And this is also, you know, I don't, you know, think about this too much, you know, being single, but these kids haven't probably seen their friends that much the past year no they haven't and they have so so mia's group vivian certainly hasn't because if you recall when you and i were at the masters back in november vivian's school flooded oh yeah i forgot about that it, it, it totaled the school and so they don't have a building to go to so while my older two have been back in phase whatever it is it, they're back four days a week in person Monday through Thursday at the middle school and high school levels. But the elementary school level, Vivian's in second grade. They don't, they're not back. They go one day a week to the high school and it's only for a couple of hours. So they're like still doing virtual and everything that comes with it. Look, man, Hey, shout out to these kids, dude. I don't, I had a long conversation with my son last night about this very thing. Like it's, exhausting for these kids the way that they've had to learn in 2020 into 2021 has been harder than hell and I think about myself like anybody with any level of attention deficit and in in today's world for these kids with so much data coming at them all the time with so many distractions right there at their in, in their hand all the time I don't know how I would have done with it, Travis. I don't think I would have done very well. I, I'm, I'm positive I wouldn't have done very well. My whole motivation in school in the first place was ball. My dad was like, dude, you either get 
a, a 3.0 or better, or you don't play. Like, that was it. I mean, the expectation was very simple. It was fundamental, and he didn't waver from it. You either make on a roll every single six – we had six weeks. We didn't have, like, semesters or whatever. We had every six weeks. You either make on a roll or you're not playing ball. And so – I don't know if it was a virtual world, if I would have done well with that. I, I just, I don't know. It's not easy to sit there and look at a computer screen and stay actively engaged. It's so you and easy. I've been talking for like 25 minutes and I'm tired of looking at you. <laughs> I mean, you imagine being on anything for seven hours. I would hate it. So kudos to those kids, man. Thank you guys for listening to us on Marty Smith's America. Thank you so much to Elena Deladon for continuing to share her light and to shine her light about the importance of kindness and being an example of that because it matters greatly when someone with a platform like hers uses it that way. Uh, thank you to P&G for helping us land Elena to reaching out to Travis uh, and, 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 asking if we might have her on and, and providing that time for us. We're grateful to them for that. Thank you so much to our law enforcement officials all over the country, to our firemen, to our first responders for working so hard to save lives and help people. And thank you so much to the United States military. Uh, we're grateful for your sacrifice, man. Uh, you know, I was reminded at the Kentucky Derby, Man, it's like gathering is such a beautiful opportunity. And we have not had that for uh, going on, what, 14 months now, something like that. And it's coming back. And the Kentucky Derby reminded me in very stark fashion. It was like a slap across the mouth of what beautiful energy that is. And – and the beautiful, the, the beauty of freedom and being able to walk out the door and go do what you want and, and aspire to be what you can be. And it's just awesome to have that right, to have that luxury, to have that opportunity. So thank you to our military members all across the world sacrificing for us. Y'all have an awesome week, man. We appreciate you. This is Marty Smith's America.